Welcome back to the Drug Training Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about Kratom. Late last year, the DEA did some emergency scheduling of Kratom and put it in Schedule 1, then reversed after some public backlash. So what is Kratom, and why should you even care? Welcome to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves, a police officer who spent 28 years specializing in drug investigations and who regularly teaches law enforcement officers, private businesses, and concerned families on spotting and dealing with drug use. This podcast is the essential resource for both professionals and individuals who need practical help, advice, and insight. Now, here's your host, Keith Graves. Welcome back to the Drug Training Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Graves from OnlineDrugTraining.com. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast because at the end of this podcast, I got a special giveaway. So let's talk about Kratom. In late August of 2016, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration proposed that Kratom, a drug that was sold legally in the United States, be designated as a Schedule One drug. So what is a Schedule One drug? Well, all controlled substances are placed in one of five categories in the Controlled Substances Act or the CSA. Schedule 1 is for drugs with no medicinal value whatsoever. These are drugs like heroin and LSD. Schedule 2 has a medicinal value, but it's highly controlled and there's a high risk of abuse. Drugs in this category include PCP, meth, cocaine, oxycontin, hydrocodone, drugs like that. Now, you're probably wondering, PCP and meth are illegal. Why would they be mixed in with drugs like oxy and hydrocodone that are legal? Because PCP and meth and cocaine all have medicinal value to it. Now, we don't use it anymore because it was ruled that it, the risky behavior that people were experiencing by abusing it was not worth it. But even still, like cocaine is used in nasal surgery, used in eye surgery, meth, it's ADHD medication. If you look at something like uh, Adderall, or Ritalin, those are a form of methamphetamine. Now, PCP, we took it totally out of the system because people were abusing it so much and it was just the side effects were way worse than the medical benefit that it gave. Schedule three drugs have a high rate of abuse, but less than schedule two. And then it goes on like that for schedule three and schedule four and schedule five. So the new rule about Kratom with the DEA was outlined in the Federal Register and was to take effect in September of 2016. So I wrote about this in my blog in the briefing room, and I got more mail than any other article I have ever written. A lot of people claimed to be ill, wrote in to me saying that I was personally taking away their medicine, which, hey, thanks for giving me credit for that, but uh, they fail to realize I'm just writing about the rule. I have no decision about making it happen. But I noticed that their emails were eerily reminiscent of people trying to legalize marijuana. They claimed that the ruling was taking medicine from sick people and that this kept them from having to become opiate addicts. The same people emailing me hit the DEA hard with comments and they made the DEA buckle and the DEA withdrew their recommendation to move Kratom to Schedule 1. Although Kratom isn't the biggest problem in the United States, it was definitely an issue for some parts of the country and it was having and still is having a negative effect. In fact, I received a uh, uh, email after I wrote that blog post from a chief of police in Alabama who said that Kratom was his biggest drug of abuse in his jurisdiction and that something needed to happen because he was having some significant issues in his community because of the Kratom abuse. 
Until recently, Kratom was considered a health supplement, but in actuality, it became a heroin substitute and has been widely abused out in the public. So according to the DEA, the amount of Kratom material seized by law enforcement for the first half of 2016 greatly exceeds any previous year totals and easily accounts for millions of dosage units intended for the recreational market. That was straight from the Federal Register. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, from January 2010 through December 2015, U.S. poison control centers received 660 calls related to Kratom exposure. And of those calls, 73% reported intentional exposure to Kratom and 90% reported ingestion of the drug. So there's been 15 deaths associated with Kratom use from 2014 to 2016. So the issue is becoming more of a problem. And I think DEA was just trying to get it out of control before it got worse than it is already. So it's not a huge amount. But again, there's parts of the country with very high rates of Kratom abuse. And it goes hand in hand with episode one, where we talked about research chemicals. Kratom was considered a legal high, and people used it specifically to get high. Some people used it as an opiate substitute, but didn't realize that it could be addictive and became addicted after habitually using the drug. So what is Kratom? Kratom is a slang term for a plant called Mitrogyna speciosa, and it's commonly sold in smoke shops and over the internet. It'll come in a foil pack with a colorful theme on the foil pack. Uh, I just bought some for an article that I was writing on Kratom, and so I went to my local head shop. This is the place that sells marijuana bongs, meth, pipes, stuff like that. I found the Kratom next to a bunch of marijuana products. And that's not really a place that you buy medicine, but the pro-Kratom crowd will make you believe that it's a medicine that you buy trying to compare it to marijuana as a health product. So what kind of health product comes in a colorful foil pack and a head shop next to bath salts and spice? Just saying. So Kratom is used for a variety of reasons, but it's gaining traction among heroin users as a way to suppress opiate withdrawals. And there's no scientific evidence that Kratom is effective in staving withdrawal symptoms, but it is addictive. So officers on the street are most likely to encounter Kratom as a greenish powder contained inside of a clear capsule. Users that are under the influence of Kratom are going to use a dose of 2 to 5 grams orally to get high that lasts from 2 to 6 hours. The most popular method of consuming Kratom is by swallowing it as a pill, but the leaves can be chewed or it can be brewed into a tea. Users feel euphoria and the effects are similar to opiate influence. So unlike other drugs, Kratom doesn't have any popular slang terms in the United States. Kratom's often used by individuals to avoid mandatory drug testing like truck drivers or probationers or parolees or people who are going through uh, child custody disputes and such. And they want to get high, but they want to have a negative test on a random or reasonable suspicion drug test. And I wrote a great blog post on people trying to avoid drug testing. And I'll put, it's in the briefing room and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys. Along with the article on Kratom, I got a few pictures in there as well. So that way you can see what, it, you know, these foil packs and the pills and see what it is that we're talking about. Let's talk about lab testing. Most reputable labs can test for the presence of Kratom in the urine or blood. According to the DEA report, the number of positive results for Kratom from lab analysis increased from 31 positive results between August 2012 to July 2013 to 555 positive results from Kratom between 2014 and 2016. Officers should be aware that current users of Kratom will likely begin buying every package of Kratom that they can find. When their supply runs out, it's unknown what drug they're going to resort to. 
but one could speculate that they'll return to opiates or other alternatives like uh, loperamide or uh, something else as their withdrawals from Kratom are going to set in. This is just a heads up because the DA went back to go do their homework because it seemed like maybe they rushed this and didn't research it the best that they could. I don't think they imagined they were going to get this much opposition to it, but they're going to come back and they're going to ensure that they have uh, their homework done. So at some point, this is going to go back to schedule one. And when it does, you're going to see everybody buying up uh, as much of the Kratom as they can. And then we might have some issues from that later on. All right, those are our bolo tones or our beyond the lookout tones. That's the tones that officers hear in their patrol car or over their radios when dispatch wants them to pay attention for something important. Here, I want to talk about a blog post that I just put up uh, on, on in the briefing room at onlinedrugtraining.com just the other day. Uh, this one involves three officers from Northern California that were recently exposed to fentanyl when they were investigating a drug crime. So the officers were dispatched to a man passed out behind the wheel of a car. They arrived. They found the suspect unresponsive with a slow pulse and shallow breathing. They tried to rouse him, but it didn't work. So the officers, they did their search, and the officers located a container with suspected heroin, as well as several opiate pills that appeared to be common pharmaceutical Schedule II drugs. You know, so think like a hydrocodone or something like that. After opening the container, the officers became lightheaded, dizzy, had jitters, and shortness of breath. So the officers went to the hospital, and they'll be okay. However, for months, I've been telling people to stop field testing drugs they find while investigating drug-related crimes and to take precautions when handling drugs. Even Schedule II and Schedule Three pills can actually be fentanyl or other synthetic opiates that are just compressed into a pill form made to look like legitimate prescription. This process, along with other information about synthetic opiates, is outlined in our e-course, Current Drug Trends, which is going off the charts right now. I think people are really enjoying that class. So here's just a few reminders to help you avoid being exposed to drugs that can be harmful to your health and your safety. You want to be aware of current synthetic opiate trends. So many of these synthetic opiates can be disguised as common Schedule II and III drugs like Norco, Vicodin, and Valium. Synthetic opiates are also used as a cutting agent in heroin and cocaine. So you can no longer handle cocaine and heroin and other drugs as you would have in the past. So those synthetic opiates can be more than 50 times more potent than heroin. Synthetic opiates can be absorbed transdermally, meaning through your skin, and can be inhaled as the drug's exposed to the atmosphere, much like what happened to these officers here. You want to minimize your risk. You want to minimize your exposure to these drugs by wearing proper protective equipment, or PPE. Besides your uniform, wearing latex gloves is a minimum. You shouldn't be touching any drug, including pharmaceuticals, without latex gloves on. Some additional equipment can include a mask or eye protection or eye pro. The eye protection I wear, I, I wear um, these, they look like Oakley's, but I mean, to be honest, they cost me like, you know, $20. And they look like Oakley sunglasses with just clear lenses and they're polycarbonate. And what's good about it is it, it protects my eyes just working regular patrol. They look like regular eyeglasses. People don't, can't tell they're just eye protection, period. And look, we are in a rough environment now, and you should be wearing the eye protection anyways. Uh, if you're doing a narcotic search warrant, I really suggest that you start wearing the latex gloves, long sleeve shirts and such, and wearing eye protection. And then look, you know, when you go home, you should probably strip down and wash your clothes right away and not go home and hug your family and uh, 
you know, stuff like that. You should probably clean those clothes up before you get home. Let's talk about signs of exposure and steps to decontaminate. You might know that you were exposed if you start to experience disorientation, dizziness, coughing, sedation, or respiratory distress. If you have been exposed, go directly to an area with fresh air, flush your mouth and skin with water, and be aware that the synthetic opiate might have transferred to your clothes. Naloxone, which is going to be carried by our paramedics and some police officers, can be administered by qualified people. I do advise that all police officers start to carry naloxone for situations just like this. Times have changed drastically for drug enforcers over the last year. Fentanyl overdoses, seizures, and accidental fentanyl exposures are increasing in double and triple digits across the country. Awareness and training can greatly reduce the chances that you're the next victim of an accidental exposure. That's the end of the show. Just a few final thoughts. So we're going to start something new. Once a month, I'll pick one person that left a five-star review on iTunes for a free online course. All you have to do is to write a five-star review on iTunes. Then once a month, I'll pick a winner and announce them on the Drug Training Podcast. I would appreciate it if you went to iTunes and you subscribed, rate, and reviewed the Drug Training Podcast. You can find more information on subjects like this in our online course, Current Drug Trends, at OnlineDrugTraining.com. So what do you want to know about drugs or drug enforcement? What's the one question that you need answered? Ask them. Email me with your questions and comments at podcast at OnlineDrugTraining.com. You can find more information in our blog, The Briefing Room, where you can learn about tomorrow's drugs today. In the meantime, I'll see you next week and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves. We'd love to hear your comments and respond to your questions in future episodes. Visit our accompanying website at www.onlinedrugtraining.com for more information, advice, training, and to get in touch. And join us again on the next edition of the Drug Training Podcast. Podcast.